0: Welcome back to another episode of how to work with a VA day-to-day real life stories. So this season, we are taking a fresh approach. We are going to hear the stories of small businesses, not just what they do, but why they do it. Our stories can be our superpower. So this season, I will delve further into the world of small businesses and discover the talent, passion, resilience, and determination that often sits behind a successful small business. My guest today is a successful financial advisor running his own business. He is a father of four juggling many things, but he shares a real life-changing moment that hit his family five years ago. This episode is a vital lesson in life planning, so let's hear more from John Lawrence. John, how are you? Welcome. Welcome.
1: Hi Elaine, I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, good. The sun is shining here today in Sheffield, so that always makes things a little better.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's sunny here too. Uh, we're on two days in a row now. I think that's a new record. <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure. So welcome and thank you so much for giving your time today to come along. So let's uh, kick things off uh, by giving a quick introduction about yourself and what you do for a living day to day.
1: Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me as well. Um, so my name's John Lawrence. Uh, I'm a financial advisor. In October last year, I set up a financial advisory practice uh, with the name of Lawrence & Co Financial Planning. I'm based in Redford and I work in the St. James's Place uh, network. I've been doing this, I've uh, been looking to do this for a few years, but uh, actually took the plunge a couple of years ago to start getting my qualifications and, uh, uh, and get set up as a financial advisor. So I've got a bit of history in, in medicine. Uh, most of my career is in medicine. Seven years ago, I set up my own business in the facilities management field, which is a total departure from what I used to do. But uh, that gave me some experiences that I'm now able to take into the world of finance.
0: Excellent. And so you are a financial advisor. Do you have a specific industry or or people or business that you target?
1: Yep. so uh, I'm relatively niche. I keep getting told that I'm one of very few financial advisors that likes to talk to business owners and businesses uh, about their finances. A lot of financial advisors are very happy to sit and talk to people about their investments and their pensions, uh, and, and that's great. And uh, I'm able to do all of that as well if people really want me to, but uh, my passion is helping to bus- businesses to be a bit more tax efficient, use their business to, or use the, the business owners can use their business to, to, to look after themselves, uh, their families. Uh, not just now, um, but also in the future as well, because there's there's a lot of ways that uh, you can leverage your business, not just for making sure that you've got your salary coming in today, but to make sure that uh, it's protecting you should the worst happen, but also for when you retire as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, thank you for that introduction, John. Um, so as you know, this podcast, this new season is all about the twists and turns life takes us and how those experiences shape us and the unique talents that we can offer the world. So have you got a substantial life-changing event that you'd like to share with us today?
1: Uh, Yeah, so um, uh, the one that I talk about quite frequently is when my wife got cancer. Um, So that's coming up five years ago in December. She was diagnosed at uh, the relatively young age of 34. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. That subsequently meant that she needed a mastectomy and subsequent uh, radiotherapy treatments, along with some hormone treatments as well. At the time, I was self-employed. I had just set up my business uh, roughly 18 months before that, and um, my wife was employed. Uh, She worked for a large infrastructure company, and they looked after her as far as our finances are concerned. Um, Luckily, they had very good employee benefits that meant that sick pay was more than adequate um it was full salary for a full year and uh the death in service benefits should the worst happen were were there as an extra safety net but it, it basically meant that uh we could carry on almost regardless you know we could concentrate on her treatment um obviously me being self-employed created challenges because it meant i was taking time off work which meant i was therefore not getting paid for that time off work uh so although things were tight Had my wife also been self-employed or had she not had the good benefits that she did, we would have been screwed, basically. (laughs) We would have had a really rough time of it. But then when I came back into or came into the world of finance and financial services, I realized that this is something that I can offer to people. I can uh, give this service to people. And if you've got your own little business, if you're self-employed or if you've got a little limited company with two or three staff, this is the sort of thing that you can have that your business can pay for, and it will make sure that should the worst happen, you're looked after because the business will have that policy in place to make sure that your salary is unaffected. And should the worst happen, you've got a death in service benefit as well. And you can use your business to, to, to look after yourself in this way. And it's something that a lot of business owners either don't realize that they can do um, or they just forget about it or they know about it, but put it off until tomorrow um and it's 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 that kind of thing that i like to educate people on um because it's certainly something i didn't know when i was running my own business that this is the sort of thing that i could do you know i certainly thought that death in service and uh, and sick pay were something that were you know uh, just for people with good jobs in in big companies that gave this kind of benefit to their staff
0: definitely and so john I mean, I'm assuming that a lot of self-employed people don't have these kind of benefits in place. And I'm not saying that you'll have insight to the whole market, but do you come across that regularly, that they just don't have any type of protection at all?
1: I'm mm, um, Yeah, it is something that I meet quite regularly. Um, I personally don't have insights to the whole of the market, but there is a protection uh, company called The Exeter. So they do a lot of income protection and life insurance policies and this kind of thing. The, the figures are, are quite scary. So you're looking at uh, over 80% of uh, self-employed and sole trader individuals not having any form of income protection. And then you're looking at over 70% of these same individuals, same group of individuals not having any life insurance policy. What's kind of scary about that is if if you're in an industry where, or if you are a sole trader and you're in an industry where you're uh, reliant on, for example, your arms or your legs, I'm thinking roofers, I'm thinking... Uh, joiners I'm thinking electricians I'm thinking somebody like that who's you know reliant on being physical daily not just somebody who's possibly I don't know a web developer who if they break a leg they're not going to be too impacted by their job or their job's not going to be too impacted by that should I say but somebody who's up and out and about if they break a leg through work you know they're out of work for eight weeks what are they going to do for eight weeks? They've got no money coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the sort of thing that they they could be uh, they could be protected by. But then you've also got the more serious illnesses that you can take out a policy to protect yourself on that everybody who runs their own limited company would benefit from. So yeah, I do see this, um, and and the statistics that come from the providers kind of back it up. Just simple things like your life insurance policy. You know, if you've got a mortgage, general. The good advice that is given to you by your mortgage uh, advisors or even your mortgage companies, they will say, have you got a life insurance policy? Because it's good advice to have that because yeah, although a lender can't demand that you have a life insurance policy before they give you a mortgage, uh, that isn't allowed. You do hear of people being told that. That is... <laughs> Illegal. Um, you can't be. Uh, you can't have a mortgage given <laughs> to you on the contingency that you that you have a life insurance policy in place. But it is very good advice because you're taking out a loan that is equivalent of what quarter of a million, half a million, maybe. You know, and what you're going to do if something happens and you can't work for six months. So um, you know, or even if something the worst happens and you and you yeah. and you pass away. You know what what's your spouse going to do? Having that kind of cover in place is what you really need. And as a limited company owner, you can actually have that done through your business. You know, your business can pay for that for you. And people don't realize this. So it makes your business a little bit more tax efficient. It means you're not paying out of it, uh, paying it out of taxed income already. And uh, obviously, you gained a little bit by not having to pay the corporation tax on that. Uh, so it's a winner all round. But it's just one of those things that you can do to have your, you know, have your business look after you now while it's there um, and while it's while it's up and running. And just one of those nice little nuggets of information that I like to share with people because there are so many people in that situation.
0: No, I think that's all really sound advice there, there, John. Um, mm. So just taking a few steps back. Um, so first of mm. all, we'd all like to know, um, how is your wife, Lisa? How is she these days?
1: Uh, Lisa's fine. Thank you. Um, yeah, she's, uh, like I said, it's going to be five years in December. Thanks. So she's got her last round of tests in December. November, will be sat there worrying that it's come back because that's what she does. She's a stress head and she worries and uh, she's positive it's going to come back. And the last four times <laughs> we've been, it hasn't come back. So so she, I'm confident she'll be fine. Um, the treatments that she's on have given her some long-term health effects. Um, so the cancer that she's got is a, a hormone feeding cancer, uh, which basically meant that Uh, on day one uh, they put her on hormone blockers which put her into the menopause and that it as any menopausal woman may tell you brings with it its issues so joint and arthritic issues um, uh, increased risk of osteoporosis um, these are all the sort of things that Lisa's facing at the moment so some mornings especially if it's damp and cold she's struggling to get out of bed on a morning she's like a she's like a cripple sometimes just purely because of the, the treatments that she's on yeah
0: um
1: and then obviously there's other treatments that she's on to counteract those issues and problems so she's like a walking pillbox sometimes it's uh, it's pretty horrific but she's alive she doesn't stop she is now self-employed yeah. running her own business so we're both in this boat together as self-employed individuals but yeah she's making a go of it she's uh, she's having a better year than i am <laughs> um but uh, no she's uh, she's breaking all records as far as uh, running her own business is concerned she's doing very very well so uh, yeah no she's uh, she's not letting it stop her
0: that's true it's always truly remarkable what people that are given such a, a hard blow in life, and what they they kind of turn it around and what they achieve, I'm always in awe of it. Um. So, John, so you mentioned about having this life changing event and how that kind of fueled you to think, okay, I need to help other people, I need to educate people on this subject. But just immediately after that life changing event, I mean, how did that impact you, um, and your family and your business and work?
1: As I said, uh, luckily we. Financially, we we're, were okay. My business, as I said, was only 18 months old, so it wasn't fully profitable yet, but we were getting there. Um, I will definitely say that it put the brakes on the growth and development of that business purely because my wife had the, the, the cover from work in place that they gave her effectively a year of salary uh, in sick pay. She didn't take mm-hmm. the full year. By six months, she was wanting to go back to work But it it just meant that we could kind of carry on uh, financially without too much stress, which therefore meant that we could concentrate on her treatment, uh, could concentrate on the family, and could concentrate on getting her better and back to work. As a family, how did it impact us? Uh, Of course, it had its stresses. At roughly the same time, her mother also got diagnosed with breast cancer. And then about a year afterwards, her grandmother got diagnosed with breast cancer. So... As a sort of family impact, that had quite a few ripples. We were all involved in a study just to see if there was uh, some genetics involved. Um, as it happens, it was lightning striking, yeah. not once, not twice, but three times in the same family. And what was interesting was that it was all three different types of cancer in three women in the same family, in the same bloodline, in the same breast even. Yet it was just uh, the, the, the medical staff were just so surprised that it had, it had done what it had done. Um, and it just shows that this kind of thing can can happen without you realising that it's coming. You know, it comes like a bolt from the blue, um, yeah. and it can take you by surprise. And I think uh, I think we've sort of managed to muddle through. We had help from friends, obviously, friends that sort of helped with hospital runs and stuff like that, so that we could, you know, so that I could go to work one day instead of having to take Lisa to the hospital again. But yeah, we've uh, we've uh, we've managed quite well, I think.
0: Good. And so that leads quite nicely on to my next question. So I'm always really interested to hear about uh, people's support and their network and you know how, how that helped them get through difficult uh, situations. So, so you, you mentioned about friends. So you did have a support mm-hmm. network around you. And, and how did they help you through those initial changes that you were going through?
1: Well, first of all, there's the family. Uh, So Lisa's uh, one of two girls. So her sister and husband, as soon as they found out, they they were on the phone and just said, look, anything we can do, let us know. Hospital runs, uh, things like that. Just come in and looking after Scarlett, our little one, uh, while we went to the hospital, maybe. Lisa's mum and dad, uh, again, same sort of thing. They're in their mid to late 70s. Uh, so physically what they could do wasn't as great, but they were always making sure we had meals cooked for us and stuff like that. If we were, you know, having a full week of hospital runs and visits, um, just so that we weren't, you know, (laughs) buying frozen pizzas and stuff all the time and things like that. And then, uh, then there was my mate, Tony, when we found out about Lisa's radiotherapy treatment, which was going to be, I think it was four, was it four or five weeks, uh, literally daily Monday to Friday for five weeks running. And it was at Lincoln Hospital, which is about a 45-minute drive from here, and then the treatment, waiting in the waiting room and all the rest of it. It was effectively going to take three to four hours out of our day every day. Um, And Tony just looked at me, and he's also a self-employed guy, uh, but he's coming up towards retirement, so he's not working as much. But he said, look, he says, I'm going to put a schedule together. He says, tell me what days you can do um, over those five weeks. And he says, I'll make sure that me, Jamie, his son, also my mate, Um, Or one of the others that we know that they can actually come and do that. And so there was about five individuals that between them just basically took a day, a day a week each, um, including me, uh, just to make make sure Lisa was getting to the hospital appointments. But also so that I wasn't losing half of my working day for five weeks, which would have absolutely ruined us. (laughs) because <laughs> I was like I say I was building my own business up um you know I could afford to take some time off but you know taking a, a four, four hour window out of my day every day for five weeks would have just been almost untenable the kindness and generosity by friends and family was just absolutely amazing
0: no that's that's a really beautiful thing to hear when people come together in tough times and so you mentioned about that you couldn't take a lot of time off and it just wasn't realistic. I mean, what else Mm. would do you think would have happened if you didn't have that support in place?
1: I I honestly don't know. I honestly haven't sat and thought about what would have happened or could have happened. I didn't have the emergency funds that a financial advisor will always advise their clients to have, um, purely because I'd eaten up most of those trying to build up my business in the first year or so. So that meant yeah. that we didn't really have much of a cushion to sit on, although we did have my wife's salary coming in uh, on a regular basis, which was a blessing. And uh, without that, we would, have been, uh, we would have been suffering. But without the friends and, and support that we had being able to help me, I mean, I would have taken a mass- massive drop in, in my turnover for, the, for my business. But it would have possibly meant taking out a loan or something like that just to have us to, to keep us above water. I don't think it would have got to selling the house. But worst case scenario, um, it's possibly on the cards. But luckily, we, you know, we were able to muddle through and uh, and make sure that, uh, you know, with a, with a lot of help from friends and family that we got through.
0: Yeah, no, it's fantastic to hear. And so being through all you've been through and experiencing everything that you've experienced over the last five or six years, how has that changed the way you look at life? Um.
1: In quite a few ways, really. I suppose one of them is that you never know what's going to come around the corner. Um, I think that's an obvious one. Try and prepare for that. So if you can prepare for the worst before it happens, what's the worst that's actually going to happen is that you're actually going to be prepared for it. The best case scenario is that it actually doesn't happen, but you're prepared for it anyway. You know, And if that preparation mm-hmm. takes a bit of time, maybe costs you a little bit of money, I still think it's worth it long term because being able to know and have that sort of safety net there means that there's one less stress and and that can be a major stress. You know, your family's going to be looked after if something was to happen to you or knowing that if something was to happen to to me that meant that I couldn't work, that, you know what, our income's covered, we're fine, we're okay. On the other side of things, my attitude towards... Uh, life as in see an opportunity and go and get it I am certainly more of a seize the day kind of guy now Um, I did used to sit back and think a little bit more uh, as to whether I was going to do the big plunge I'm relatively impulsive anyway I do know that but when it comes to the big decisions I was always going to sit and think about it but I've now got to the point of what is there to lose You know, um, and that's why that's that's another reason why I ended up going into the financial services industry. It's something I did look at before uh, Lisa got cancer. It didn't work out at the time, but then a friend started dating a girl who was uh, also with St. James's Place, and she encouraged me to go and work through their academy. And you know what? I thought, yeah, now's my chance. If I don't do it now, I'll I'll never do it and I'll regret not trying. Um, And so I did. So I just I just put my my name in, asked if I could have an interview and I got the first interview. And at every stage, because there's a a very long process to get into the academy with St. James's Place. But at every stage, me and my wife were just sat there going, well, we've got this one. We'll try the next one as well. And, you know, every time we got over a hurdle, it's like, well, we're not going to give up now. Let's keep going. And, you know, we just kept saying, right, let's keep going. We've got over that <laughs> hurdle. And then suddenly, you know, October turned around last year and I'm leaving the academy going, right, well, I need to set up my own practice then, don't I? You know, and, and so that's what I've done. And uh, it's just been a case of, right, what's the next hurdle? Let's get over it. How do we get over it? And let's just carry on. There's, there's, no, there's no giving up now. Um, and, and we're both like that. And I think you can see that in Lisa as well, because like I said earlier on, she's she's now gone self-employed as well. Um, she's took over the business I set up six, year, six years ago. Uh, so she's now running that. And uh, yeah, uh, that's purely because last January last year, she was offered voluntary redundancy and she just looked at me and said, why not? Let's give it a go. There's a hurdle. Let's see if we can get over it. And we've sort of become that kind of couple now that we see a hurdle and say, right, well, let's just go for it, you know, and if we can't do it first time, let's get over it and, you know, another way. But so far we seem to be succeeding pretty much first time, which I think is partly because we're doing it together as a team, but also we're looking at the hurdles and seeing how we can do it. We're not just running at them willy-nilly. We're looking at the hurdle and going, yeah, how do we get over that before we even try jumping it? You know, and if it means giving each other a leg up to get over, then great. But if it means we can just run at it and hop over without a problem, then even better.
0: Nice. One hurdle at a time. I love it. I love that. I'm definitely going to pinch that 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 one, I think. <laughs> some might say that what you do and the advice that you give is kind of a bit, I don't know, perceived as doom and gloom. Um, but would you agree that preparing for the worst is a loving and caring thing to do for your family and the people that might be left behind?
1: Yeah, I can have some very difficult conversations with people. I've got a couple of clients that I immediately think of that I've had conversations like this with them in the last couple of months. And one of them, she she the the spouse, the the wife of the of the couple, uh, she just turned around and looked at me. She was crying her eyes out. She says, I can't do this. I'm gonna have to leave, but I know it's an important conversation and I know that we need to have it. Anyway, she came back a couple of minutes later and and we carried on. But she says, it's just really horrible because the last thing I want to think of is my husband dying. And that was was purely what upset her so much that she just couldn't bear the thought of him passing away. The other client that I can think of says, um, and she keeps saying this to me, she says, it's a difficult conversation, but very often the difficult conversations are the most important. And I think that's very true. If you're having a difficult conversation and it's an important conversation, then it's a conversation that's worth having. Because I've been in the situation that I've been in with Lisa, because I've experienced firsthand what it's like to have somebody have a critical illness and, you know, potentially face down death. Because when you first get that diagnosis, you don't know if you're going to be given a a terminal diagnosis or if you're going to be given, you know, several weeks to live or whether it's going to be a prognosis of, don't worry, you'll be fine, we just need to operate and your lifespan will be as usual, which is luckily what we got. But because I've done that firsthand, I can have that conversation with people and almost hold their hand through it because I know what it's like to have that message given to you by a doctor and to be sat beside your spouse when you're given that message by a doctor. And that's hard like i say it
0: yeah. these
1: difficult conversations do need to happen but it is a good thing it is a loving thing and it is a caring thing to put these plans in place for your family because when you're gone you you don't know anything you know it, if something happens to you what you what you leave behind is you know something that you can plan for now by making sure that not only there's a life insurance policy in place but that Maybe you've got a will, you know, maybe you've got uh, an estate plan in place. Maybe you've got, uh, you know, everything arranged in order so that your executors of your will can literally just pick up those documents and those instructions, just go, this is what we need to do. And that makes life easier for everybody. And there's so much that you can do. Involved in this process, I, I know I've been talking about life insurance and income protection and maybe critical illness policies and things like that. But they are just part of the whole what we call the state planning process. And as you know, I've got uh, uh, connections yeah. in, in, in this industry who I work alongside with quite closely, will writers and estate planners that help people build up this portfolio for, for, their, for their inheritance and for their next of kin. You don't have to be minted. You don't have to be a millionaire to to need this. This is something that everybody really should have. Just something as simple as having a few thousand pounds put aside in a trust can avoid probate when the worst happens because everybody knows the probate process can be quite long-winded and it can take at least Mm -hmm. six months. Now, if you've got, for example, £20,000 in your bank account and something happens to you, your spouse needs to pay for a funeral they might actually have to wait six months to get hold of that 20 grand to be able to pay for a funeral. Whereas if you just put that £20,000, simply put it into an ISA or something like that, but put it into trust, then that can then be put outside of your estate for probate purposes, which means that your other half could then access that money literally on day one if needed so that funeral plans can be paid for and put in place that is if you haven't got a specific funeral plan policy which is another piece of important planning that people tend to forget just small things like that you know just putting a little bit of money into a trust outside of your estate that means that your family can get hold of that without it going through probate can just make a world of difference from a from an admin perspective if the worst were to happen because we all know that when somebody passes away there's a lot of paperwork to do and if you can do stuff now to prepare for your family, then please do it because it will make their life easier in a very difficult time.
0: It's really good to hear your passion and why you do what you do. And I can really see that it really means a lot to you. And, you know, you're really on a, a one-man mission to make sure that, mm. that everybody's family uh, have got peace of mind and are looked after. So well done you. So as we finish up, Again, everything that you've experienced and where you are now, do you have one piece of advice for all of our listeners out there?
1: One piece of advice. Um, I think prepare for the worst. Get good advice doing it because you never know what's going to happen. Like you said earlier on, if you're in your 30s, you feel young and invincible. And as I learned and as my my wife learned in your 30s, you're young and vulnerable. And if the worst happens and you're not prepared, and luckily we were uh, by proxy, then you can make life easy for yourself or you can make it hard. And it's nice for your family and kind, and as you said, loving for your family, if you've prepared for the worst before it comes. And best case scenario, it doesn't, but you've got that peace of mind knowing that you've, you've done what you can.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, John. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Elaine.
0: If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, please let us know. We love hearing from our listeners. You can reach out a few ways by following us on Facebook or LinkedIn, or you can leave us a comment on our YouTube channel. So until next time, if you would like help to stay in control of your business rather than it controlling you, don't miss the monthly episodes released on Mondays. Bye for now.